out it. We say we're not going to just let religion or tradition be our standby. We are going to have, we're going to be in pursuit of a move of God. We know we've seen outbreaks and outbursts of it, of miracles here and amazing things there. But I want it here. I want it in my life. I don't want to just hear about it. Well, did you hear about so-and-so's meeting and there was a breakout in God? Well, yay, yay, but I want one right here. Praise God. So if you would, with me this morning, turn to Romans chapter 10 in your Bible. We're going to own, we're going to own a revival culture. Now you might say, is he going to talk about it forever? Well, we've, this will be number, week number 10 or, so yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. Let's look at a scripture and see if there's some things here that you and I, it'll help us. Now, this is a scripture that we all use to tell someone how to get born again. They're not saved. They don't have Jesus. So we tell them how easy it is. And it is easy. Say it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's so easy. But it's the hardest thing you've ever done. But after you did, it was the easiest thing you ever did. Amen. Praise God. In verse 9, it says that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Do you have that underlined? The Lord Jesus in your Bible. The Lord Jesus. Didn't just say, oh yeah, I'll take a little dab of that. He said, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. So we tell people. This is how I got saved. This is how we all got saved. We confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus. It took a lot of forms. It took a lot of avenues. It didn't come out just like that. But the essence of it, we were confessing with our mouth, I want Jesus to rule and reign in my life. Don't want to just miss hell. That's not what it says. If you don't want to go to hell, or if you just say, I want to go to heaven. Well, that's good. You should. But it's about the Lord Jesus. Everything in the kingdom is about the Lord Jesus. It's not about being good enough. It's not about keeping your nose uh, clean and your, your life straight and not doing bad things. It's about what you do with Jesus. So it says there in verse 10, 4, this is the reason how it works. The mechanics is, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So he's going to be talking about confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus that you're going to believe in your heart. Believe in your heart, not just say yabba dabba do. It's going to be believe in your heart unto righteousness, under the covenant, under the grace of God. And with the mouth, salvation is made unto, sal uh, excuse me, confession is made unto salvation. So there it is. It's so easy, but you got to believe. Now, that word Lord, you know, it means master. And so we, we turn our lives, I turn my life to get me off the throne. Do you all know that sometimes we creep up onto the pedestal, onto the throne, we creep up there, and you go, well, I'd never do that. Well, just listen to what you say. Listen to how little we might pray about a situation. Listen to how much we already have our mind made up about what we're going to do or not going to do. And you'll know there that sometimes we're not, we're not letting the Lord be Lord. It's me. If it wasn't me, I'd ask him, but it's me. So he said, uh, uh, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. It means master. 
It means, the word literally means supreme in authority. Supreme. That would be numero uno. That would be supreme. So if you will confess with your mouth the supreme authority that you want in your life, thou shalt be saved. The word saved there is not just born again. We all use that and say saved means born again, but and it does mean that, but it's the word that means in the Greek healed or preserved or to do well or be made whole. So it's not just like we confess the Lord Jesus one time, we're born again, and we don't need that anymore. When you're sick, we need to confess the Lord Jesus. When, when things aren't going your way, we confess the Lord Jesus. We bring not just salvation initially back to Him, but we bring that we need saving in our body. We need saving in our mind. A lot of people are going through depression right now, some sort of oppressive thing, and, and uh, they're losing their hope. Well, we need to confess the Lord Jesus. I mean, I want COVID over. We want to be back, and that's on the way. But until then, we got to live. You got to breathe every day. You got to, we got to get up every day. We can't just say someday we're going to get back to our life. I can tell you in Europe, it's terrible. Um, I told y'all that in, in uh, Wales, they get two days to go out and do their business, like grocery shopping and whatever. Two days. And there is no church. There is no church whatsoever. So when Goss is not ministering anywhere, if he can't do it on the Internet, he can't do it. And him and his wife, they take turns going out and just breathing there. So as bad as you think it is here, it's, it's, it's not good. So in that light of, of confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved, thou shalt be healed, thou shalt be made whole then we need to affirm that Jesus is the greater in our lives. Not just wait till we say, well, I can't do it. I thought I could, and I went as far as I could, but now I'm going to have to turn to the Lord. I'm going to have to get the tire out of the trunk and, and fix the, the flat. No, we just turn to Him immediately. In other words, we are, we are drawing our life from Him, not just our emergency room. So revival, did you know that revival is not a New Testament term. The word is not in the New Testament, certainly not in the Old. Revival is not a New Testament term. I went by a church the other day and it said, uh, revival in October, whatever, come and, and be a part, and it had the times. And I appreciate that, but it's not biblical. It's not, it's not Bible to say we're going to have a revival. Revival literally means to be revived again. In other words, something that was supposed to be alive got dead or got, got turned back. So uh, uh, revival to us, now let's just get it straight because it's not in the Bible, but we know what the essence of it is. It, the, the revival to us is the demonstration of our investment in the kingdom. It's just like I'm making Jesus Lord. It's not emotional, although emotions come. It's not uh, despair left. I, okay, I got to go to revival and get despair out or depression. All those things are true, but it has to do with Jesus. When Jesus is Lord, when Jesus is the greater, then we have revival. And it's not a meeting or it's not a, a week of this, the third week of August, we always have revival. Well, we ought to have it every day because we all slip. We all, we all slip. So making Jesus Lord 
is the real revival culture. Making Jesus Lord, affirming Him, always bringing Him back in front, not getting caught up in traditions and the mechanics and the operations and the administrations of the kingdom. Jesus. Just Jesus. That stuff will work itself out. Well, what do you believe about this? Well, do you believe if you've been divorced that you can't be a deacon or whatever? We don't care. We don't even care. We just want to know that Jesus is Lord and that stuff will work it out. You know, whatever they want to do, deacons and elders and all that, you got to have it, I suppose, just for order, but that's not the issue. Amen. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, please. Now, I, I stumbled into something this weekend. I'm always stumbling into something, aren't you? If you read the words, you're always stumbling into something, and it's uh, tripping you up on your traditions and your whatever. So it says in 1 John chapter 4, look in verse 4. Let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Ready, read. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Isn't that a great scripture? That, that, that just when the devil's lying to you that says you'll not make it, you can always just look and say, I got the greater one in me. The passion says you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them. Now, if you look up into the them there, if you go up in there, uh, it's talking about in verse 3, this is the spirit of Antichrist. He said that it's already here when he was when John wrote this. So uh, you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them for the one who is living in you is far greater. Can you say that with me? Far greater than the one who is in the world. Well, we always know, we've always uh, put the context on this, that greater is he that is in you. It's a conquering mode. It's a, it's a warfare mode. It's a, it's a, when the devil comes at you, when trouble comes at you, when, when life is not right, greater is he that is in you to face off with the adversary or the enemy or the frustration of what you're facing. And that's exactly true. That's absolutely right. It's so good to have a confidence that greater is he, the Lord Jesus in me, the Christ in me is greater than the Antichrist out there. But how about this? How about taking it back to, John, uh, to Romans chapter 10 and saying that sitting on a greater throne in my heart than the gods of the world is Jesus. It's not necessarily adversarial or an enemy or a warfare mode. It's just saying there's a lot of gods that want to be on my throne, be on my life. But greater is he that is in me, Jesus, than the little gods that are vying for my attention and for lordship, actually competing to be the Lord of my life. Not even just to say drugs or alcohol, but just recreation or pursuing somebody, falling in love with someone, or your children. Just say, that's my God right there. I'd just die if I didn't have my, my kids or my grandkids or whatever. And putting a false emphasis on where our life is going. Because those things can fail. So greater is he on the throne of my heart than the little gods 
that are not on the throne of my heart, but they're in my life. Because you're married or you're not, but, but we're, we got people in our life. We go, I just love them. Well, greater is he, Jesus, that's in me than that that's in the world. So if Jesus is not the greater Lord in your life, then you won't have victory than he that is in the world. You won't have victory until Jesus is enthroned as the greater one. And it's a process, isn't it? We, we keep knocking off little gods that have become entrenched in our life. Gods of a craft. Well, this is what I do and this is how it works and whatever. Or education saying, well, I know all this. Or some craft or some skill that you say, that's my life. That's my life. My, my, my dad always, he asked me, is there farming in heaven? That kind of comes in with, is there dogs in heaven? It's one you don't want to touch. You just want to move on from that because uh, dog lovers have dogs in heaven. And the, and the neighbor and the, and the, the person, the family that has barking dogs next door have no dogs in heaven. Right. <laughs> no, no dogs in heaven. <laughs> There's no dogs in heaven at my house. <laughs> Hallelujah. But dogs only live 13 to 16 years. So, uh, that's sad. The sad. That's the good news is you can get another one, and uh, well, we'll just move on from there. Praise God. So revival culture. Don't get your feelings hurt because I'm not preaching on the word. I'm just messing with you. Revival. Revival culture is about you and me making Jesus where He's supposed to be. That's all revival culture is. And so we, if we said we had a week of revival and we had some jazzy music and we had a fiery preacher that said, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. And we go, I love it when they step on my toes. But you leave that meeting, you leave that week and you're the same. It just takes three days until you sink back into it. So, so we endeavor, I'm endeavoring to, in my own personal life to bring a revival culture where these little gods can't get into my life, that Jesus, I have a system in my life that constantly refreshes Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Now, experientially, I mean, uh, legally he is, but experientially he can be way back. You can be born again and he can be way back in the woods as far as who's in charge of your life. So revival culture, which is what we're endeavoring to do, is that we present to one another and you present to your family and your relatives and your friends that Jesus is the Lord and that we are in constant pursuit to make him more Lord or to resist the things that make him less Lord. That's what we do every day is prioritize and, and section our life off that says, I'm not doing that because it's against the Lordship of Jesus in my life. I'm not looking at that. I'm not listening to that. I'm not drinking that. I'm not smoking that. Why? Well, it doesn't say that you can't smoke it in the, in the Bible. You're right, but it says make Jesus Lord. And so that's what a revival culture is to in our life. So, uh, culture, any culture, American culture, Armenian culture, French culture, they're all different. Baptists have a different culture than the Methodist. There's things that are similar and overlap. You have a culture in your family that's similar to the one in mine, but there's differences. All of us have differences, and we're working out our own culture every day, trying to modify it and improve it and make it work for us. So culture is the way people, the way people see things and do things. So how, in America, we, we don't see ourselves going down to the creek 
a mile away and getting water. We don't see ourselves. You go, well, who does? Lots of folks. But that's not in our culture. We, we would riot and burn some cities down if they said you got to go to the river. Yeah. So, uh, we said three things and I'll, and I'll get off of this. Our culture should be held up or pulled together by three things that number one, we would be stalwart. We'd be unbending. Got a conviction about Jesus being the Lord of my life. Not a handy one, not a convenient one, but that he absolutely is. And I'm resisting everything that wants to pull him down. We said we want to be resilient, that we may get knocked down, but we are getting up because greater is he that is in us. And then we said we want to be fierce. We don't want to just passively win eventually, but we want to win right now. And we're fired up to win and we're not losing anything. We're not, we're not giving up anything because we're fierce in that. So we said, I said that revival culture has some elements in it. And you make even those elements work for you. The first thing is we said it was embracing the government of heaven. Embracing, say with me, embracing the government of heaven. What is the government of heaven? Family. Family. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we have family here that is more than just where we all come together and have a common like a grocery store. Where do you shop? Well, I, I shop at Publix. Well, I do too. We're the same. It's much more than that, isn't it? More like, I go to River Church. Well, doggone, so do I. Isn't that handy? No, that makes you family. Once you get grafted into one another, it makes it family. The second thing is, is that we uh, embrace a revival culture that God is surprising us, constantly surprising us with his goodness. He's on my side. Is he on your side? Of course he is. And he, he loves to surprise you. That's what we do at birthdays and Christmas. That's in our American culture. I'm going to surprise you with my goodness. I'm going to bring you a birthday present. I'm going to, I'm going to do something at Christmas. And if you don't do anything at Christmas, I'll think about it next year, whether I'm going to or not. But that's, I'm going to surprise you with my goodness. So number three is we said that river, revival culture is a culture that's rich in hope and faith. We got hope in us. I hope this thing turns around, and I do it because the Word says I can. Number four, we said that a revival culture is a generous mindset so we can dream big. God wants you to dream big. It's not just so you'll have a retirement. God wants you to dream big. Because he's got some stuff planned and he needs you to be big inside to pull it off. Well, why God's big, can't he just do it himself? Nope. He can't do it by himself. Number five is that we uh, talked about Wednesday. Revival culture identifies with the supernatural patterns of Jesus's life. Not just say, I'm saved. Someday, someday I'm going to be supernatural. Someday I'm going to be in heaven and we'll be on the clouds. And Nope, supernatural. Revival culture says it's supernatural right now. Yea, that if they call the elders of the church, they're calling me. When they say we don't have enough bread, we say, what have you got? Got five loaves and two fishes or what? Five fishes and two loaves. We got some stuff here. <laughs> and uh, so that's the, we identify with the supernatural. This morning I want to talk about honor. 
and I just barely have enough time to do it. So turn with me to Romans 5, 5. Honor, honor. We are going to honor according to the kingdom of God. Say honor. honor. Okay, that's... Can you have revival culture in your life without honor? The answer is no. And we're going to find out you can't just have honor when somebody honors you. Well, you, you're good to me, I'll be good to you. That wouldn't necessarily be honor because Jesus said even the world does that. Honor is laying down your life in one dimension and picking it up in another. We honor people. Honor, honor is loving people intentionally. So when Lisa comes in, and I love Lisa, I don't just say, hey, how you doing, girl? What's going on? How's it going? That honor, I see Lisa and I go, oh, it's you. I brighten because she came in, because Melissa came in, because Garland came in. Yeah, even when Lynn comes in, we go, oh, it's you. I said that for him, y'all. Honor is intentionally and on purpose loving someone. So if you get marriages where there's no honor, there's no intentional and purpose-filled loving. There's a compromise. There's an existing. There's a, a, uh, a symbiotic thing. I'm here and you're here, so let's make the best of it. But honor is loving on purpose. It takes a lot of faith to honor. Because sometimes people don't look very honorable, lovable. And it's like, why, why would I honor Lisa? Why would I honor Garland? Why, why would I get excited when Lynn came in? Just get excited because he is worthy of honor and I've got honor to give and I'm going to enter the transaction. But it takes purpose. It takes a, it takes a consciousness. It takes a culture. In America, we shake hands. Well, we used to, <laughs> you know, and in the church, we hug. Put your, you put your chin over somebody's shoulder and you pull. And that's, that's our culture. They don't do that in other nations necessarily. Even in the uh, European, they, they fake kiss. You know, on either side of their neck. You go, what's that all about? But that's their culture, and that's what they do. So honor is intentionally and with purpose loving others in order to lift them up. In other words, to use your life to bring gold or bring life to somebody else. Because it's in us to do. How many times have you and I been encouraged by somebody that it was just words, it was just their time and their words, but it changed our whole perspective for that day, that week, that month. Somebody just came and said, you are the best. Man, you helped me, and I love you, and I'm always encouraged when you come around, and I like what you this or that, and I love We go, it's honor. It's true, but sometimes it's, it's where you have to go fishing. It's not on the, it's not on the top of the water. You got to throw a hook in and say, ah, I got to find something about them, but there's gold in them. In Romans chapter five, verse five, it says, Oh, we can do this because hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts 
by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Where is it? It's in your heart. It's in your innermost being. Love is there. Well, I don't feel any love. Well, you do have to stir it up. And it's not hollering. It's not saying, look at me, pick me. You have to access it by faith. I got love in me. The reason you might not realize that is because it's been a long time since you didn't have the love of God. But when you were a sinner and you were meaner than a junkyard dog and you could put on a smile, but we, we all knew, we all were that way and knew other people that uh, we could tell when somebody loved us and when they were just putting on the dog. Praise God. First John 4.21 says, This is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Do you all love God? The Word says that if you love God, that you have it in you already, not something you work up. It's in you to love your brother also. So we have to access it. We have to dig around in that old box that we don't know what's in there and say, what's in here? Well, there's the love of God inside of me. I didn't even know it, didn't even, didn't even care, but I found it. It's already in there. So we're instruments of love. We're instruments of honor on the earth. So what are we going to do with it? Well, you, you have to develop a culture. You got to be aware of this is how a person that loved God, this is how they act. This is what they do. This is what is their nature to do. <gasps> it's you. Senna, it's you. <gasps> I'm so glad to see you and be with you. You go, that's fake. Well, it may take a little getting used to. And people may say, what is that all about? What do they want from me? What have I got that they want? You know, there's all that. But here in this particular group of people, our culture, we know it's right. Amen. So the gold that's in each one of us has to be mined. Somebody has to mine it out of us to, to bring it to the surface. So some people, it's not obvious. Some people are just, they're, they're just, they're little bears. They're grump grumps. You know, their default is, if you ever watch people in a, in a crowd, and you watch them looking at something else, you'll find out what's going on in them, whether they have a frown naturally, they default to a frown, or if they rest with a smile. You can tell what's going on in people. So those grump grumps that have the frown, they're not really mean or mad. That's just how they are viewing life, just so serious. Well, you've got to mine the gold out of them. You've got, to, you've got to pull back a page or a layer of onion and say, I know it's in here somewhere. Where are you? And you find it by looking. You look for the gold. And that's what honor is, is I'm looking for the gold in people. And if you look, Jesus said you'll find. And it's in there. And you know what is so special? What is so such a blessing is some, if someone finds your gold and speaks it. To you. Someone said, you've always got a good attitude. You're always smiling. Ah, you're always happy. You're always a blessing. You are so generous. You are, you just make my life happy. Whew, there's not hardly anything you can get from anywhere that'll change your life like that. You know, well, see, God says all that stuff, but we don't pay much attention to him. So, 
It takes faith. It takes revelation. To look at some people, it takes revelation to find the gold in them. It takes a lot of digging to say, there's something in there, but we hadn't seen it in years. <laughs> you are a grump grump. You are a Rudy too. You are a... <laughs> and all the other words that we used to say. But it's in there somewhere because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So love's in everybody somewhere. Uh, every person has a glory. Some people shine their glory. They shine on it, buff on it, and it shines. Some people, they just paint over it and drive over it and asphalt over it, and you got to really dig out for it because they got a glory, but it's like we hadn't seen that in years. Y'all know those people? Sure. And they're just hurt. They're just without hope. They have no revival culture in them. They're born again, but they don't, they don't know. They don't care. They're just, they're just whooped down. They don't know how to go to heaven. So they just stay here in a continual state of grump, grump. Just nothing good's happening. You can't say anything to me, but honor will bring it out. But you got to look. And to look, you got to want to look. You got to say, this is my job. Love God and love the brethren. How do you love the brethren? You find the gold in them. So mostly, mostly you find the gold and you, by declaring the gold, you tell someone, not, not gushy. Flattery is not what we're talking about here, where you just flatter someone. That's, that's not of God. That actually the word, Flattery in the Old Testament talks about you don't even like them. So we're not talking about flattery. We're talking about declaring what is by faith. What difference does it make to you? Well, if you will do for others what you can do, God will bring what you cannot do into your life. And that's called favor. Someone will say, well, hire him because he's gold. Well, why'd they do that? Because somebody had found the gold in them. So I honor, you and I honor, even when others are unhonorable. Nobody can see it. Grump, grump. But by faith, we take our place in revival culture in our own life to say, it's going to be a little digging. It's going to be a little tough. Nobody's ever found it, but I'm going to find the gold in you. Ephesians chapter 6. We've got just a few minutes here, 70 or 80. Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about stirring up a revival culture, a life culture in each one of us. Chapter 6, look what it says in Ephesians 6. It says in verse 1, you know this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What is the promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Wow, that's powerful. But that's what it says. Honor your father and mother. Well, a lot of us, you know, have got situations in our past, our memories, our experiences, where our parents weren't honorable. They, there was nothing they gave us that was easy to find in honor. And you remember, you, you remember the things they did that were so dishonorable. <clears throat> but because we've been honored by God, we can find the gold in them, even though it may just be a nugget, it may be a grain. But we find it, and we find it because we love God, and so we love the brethren, and we find it. 
and we bring it up by speaking it. Now, it can cause trouble at first. Can they say, what do you want from me? I've had that happen. I, I've given things to people, and they said, why'd you do this? Just mean, just mean. I said, well, I love you. What do you want? What have I got that you want? What do you want me to do for you? Just, I'm talking about kin folks. I, you know, like, grow up with them, kin folks. And it's like, I, I just love you. I, lo I loved what I, for my own self, so I went out and bought one just like it for you. So, you know, sometimes you just have to let it lay and wait a little while and then find the gold again. Now, I, this is interesting. This promise is so powerful, chapter 3, that it may, uh, verse 3, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth because you honor thy father and mother. Think about the Asian Oriental cultures and how they're pagan. They are pagan. Buddhists are pagans. Pagan. Hindus are pagan. They worship demon gods. Might get some mail on this, but uh, they do. They do not know God. Yet, they do what the Word says with honor. They, they have an ancestral worship or honor, and they live long. Do you all know who the longest people living on the earth are? They're all those people. Well, I ate artichokes all the days of my life. Well, I, I drank coffee and chewed chewing gum every day. That's why I live long. No, it's because they honored their father and mother. So if they do that by, inf by uh, culture... How much can we do it by faith? So you got to call your mom. And you know, you hadn't seen her in 20 years or, or whatever. She, whatever. And you just find her. And if you don't have one, you find you another mama. I've got, I've got, I got some mamas in my life. And I, when I call my birth mother, I say, how's my favorite mother? And she says, well, yeah, right. I'm your only mother. But no. She's my only birth mother, but I got other mamas that love me and I honor like my mother. So uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So when Matthew comes in, I go, oh, it's you. Yay. Yay. So glad you came. So glad I was here. Yay, Matthew. Well, see, that's not our culture. So it's a little, you, it puts you off a little bit for somebody to be demonstrative. And what it says here, uh, be kindly affectioned one to another. Now, I'm a hugger. I like to hug. I'm, I'm very affectionate and I, I, and touch is my, my love language. I like to touch and hold hands and grab you around and pull you in. I can't always do it, and sometimes I'm misunderstood, but that's what makes my clock tick, uh, so to speak. Uh, so, but some people, it's just like they, they, I know some people that when I go for them, they, they see me coming. They come, they come in the door and they see me coming because here I come and they're, they stiffen up. You know, I can get around them pretty good and say, how are you? I love you so much. And they're like, you know, he's like, oh, okay, this gold is buried pretty deep. First Peter 2.17. The Lord's going to help us this morning. We're going to we're going to polish something that's needs a little shiny on it. First Peter 
Okay. Here's what the Bible says. This is what God's saying to you and me. This is, this is the kingdom. It says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Well, sometimes your king's not that honorable. A lot of people right now don't think our president's honorable and they're, they're, they're gnashing with their teeth. And, and yet I just love him. I just love him. I'm sorry, y'all on broadcast. Uh, <laughs> spit out the bones if that's a bone to you. It says, honor all men. So we're commanded to love, to honor all men. Well, some of them are not honorable. But the truth is, we haven't always been honorable. And the truth is, sometimes at occasions, when our little, we have a little flare up, and we have a little, a little uh, itch to scratch, we're not honorable. We say things, we don't say things. And we should. Honor is due. Honor is in the place. Honor is required. And yet we withhold that honor because, bless God, you did this and you didn't do that and everything. And maybe it's not even to us. It's just, I heard what you did to somebody else. I'm not giving you honor. And who does it hurt? It hurts me. Because I need for God to do so many things for me that I cannot even, I don't even know what they are. But I got to get in there and I need him to do it. What am I going to do? I'm going to honor someone by faith. Uh, Luke, look with me in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We're almost there. I promise you when I'm ministering up here, I never get finished. I just quit. Don't you? Verse 8 says, when thou art bidden, here's the Lord Jesus, when thou art bidden, we could have gotten a better version, but it says, when, when you're asked of any man to a wedding, Sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when they he that bade thee cometh, he might say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. Verse 11. For whosoever... Now, when Jesus said for, he's, he's translating the same. He's applying it there. He's talking about a wedding and a man and all that in a room. But now he's saying, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased brought low, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. So sometimes it's humbling to honor somebody else. You, you actually treat them like they're wonderful, and you, don't, you know they're not wonderful. You actually treat them like they're worthy of honor when in everything in your sense realm you don't believe they, they're a bad dog. But by faith you convey for God, for God, for God, you surprise them with your goodness by saying honorable things, not lies, but you find the gold. And there's gold in everybody. Just if they put their shirt on that day, you go, well, that, that's, that's good, <laughs> or whatever. So uh, the key is there is when you receive honor, receive the honor. Uh, then when you get off by yourself, give it back to the Lord. Lord, I was honored today. They said wonderful things about me. But, Lord, it's you that gave me honor. I give you the honor. 
I give you the praise. Otherwise, it'll puff you up, and otherwise, uh, it'll get you off. When we honor God, and that's what we do when we sing, we, we endeavor not to sing songs about what I will do and what what uh, I'm going to do and what I like and do. We, we, we endeavor to get the songs off of uh, I love you, Lord. Okay, that's, that's still about me. And get it over there on him. You are wonderful. You are amazing. You have, you have fished me out of a horrible place. Uh, Lord, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You are beautiful. We, we, we honor him. And bring honor to, to him. And then he, he then brings honor back to us. He said there, uh, whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Zig Ziglar used to say, the way up is down. And Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you'll be the servant of all. You'll wash feet. And literally, when I was in the charismatic movement, when we first started at our little Bible study, every once in a while, we'd pull out a, a, a basin and a towel and we'd go around. It's not, you know, it's not cultural, but we just said, let's humble ourselves. And, you know, nobody likes their feet. Hardly anybody likes their feet to be handled by a stranger. It's just like that's way personal. You know, my, not that. So it humbles yourself to even receive the honor. And when you humble yourself, the word says he will exalt you. Now, I have one more scripture, and it's just right there in Luke chapter 6. Like I said, I'm not finishing. I'm just quitting. It says in chapter 6, verse 27, this is all red letter. The Lord Jesus said all of this. All the Bibles... True, but when he says it, it, it seems like he's talking to you and me. He said in verse 27, he's, he's addressing a whole issue before that. And so he says, but, so you say this, but I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. See, that's a cultural, that's a reverse of culture. The Old Testament says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If they smack you, you sneak up on them and smack them back. And Jesus said, love is a new culture. Honor is not in the old, but it's in my culture. It should be in yours. I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Now, that's a, that's a, that's a challenge right there. It's one thing if you just don't like them to go find the gold in them, but if they get off the wrong foot and say, you are a dirty dog, it's kind of hard to find words. When this man, you know, said, well, why did you give me this? What are you after? I mean, just accuse me of my motives and everything. And I had to take a breath and just say, because I was thinking, you know what I was thinking. <laughs> it's just not what you would have been thinking. And I had to reach down and say, because I love you, and you're a blessing to me, and I thought of you, and I thought, what could I honor you with? Well, I'd honor you with what would honor me, something that I love and cherish and really enjoy. I don't know what you would, but I started with that, and it disarmed him. Amen. 
Verse 29, and to him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, everybody knows this verse, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to thee every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. Golden rule. For if you love them which love you, here it is. This is the Old Testament. This is the uh, culture of uh, dishonor. If you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love them that love them, uh, love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. So he's he's comparing the cultures, the flesh and the spirit. You hurt me? Okay, you got away with that. But I will, I will find you. I will find you. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again? Verse 35 is where we're going. But love ye your enemies. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you. Love your enemies. Now we say, I don't have any enemies. Sure you do. You got people that you're unable to honor. It's not that you'd shoot them or smack them or, or whatever, but you just wouldn't give them honor. Those are our enemies. I have ought against you. And though I'm, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I don't want to go to jail. I'm not going to honor you. And this is what Jesus was saying. He said, love ye your enemies. Honor ye your enemies. Is that challenging? Absolutely. But if you want God to do for you what you cannot do, you have to do what only you can do. And do good and land hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. My reward shall be great. Our reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Culture change. Culture change. For he, for he, so we're getting over into the father culture. The Old Testament was God culture, but the New Testament is family. It's God culture. God the father. The father. Versus over here, he's just God. He's El Shaddai. He's, uh, he's all those things. And you shall be children of the Most High. And here it is. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. What he's saying there is kind means he honors the unthankful, and he, and to the evil. I don't like the evil. I like the people that are nice. But he said, what reward do you have if you do that? So the honor is the kingdom shift based on the new birth. Old Testament, eye for an eye. New Testament, turn the other cheek. Is it challenging? It's impossible without faith. It's impossible without being born again. He was talking to these people that were not born again, but he was prophesying to them so they would remember, you're going to have the power, the ability to do this, and when you do, you need to do it. Ah, I'm glad it's you. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. You've made my day. So glad. Let me hug you. Let me, let me bless you. I've been in this, and I, I hate to talk about me, but I, I've been trying to do this all year long. Just find something about everybody. And sometimes it's little and sometimes it's moving. It's like it could be here 
now and disappear, but endeavor to change me by honoring others. Now, I love my family just like you. I love y'all just like, well, pretty much like y'all love me, so hallelujah. <laughs> just kidding. But it's not them. It's not us that we have to honor, although we could pick it up a little. It's those people out there. You know, somebody at the store the other day just, it's like I, I was thinking, didn't say it. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? This is upfront, plain and simple, clear. I have no motive except just to do this and take care of this. What is it you're so mad about me? You're frustrated. You're, I'm taking your time, but I, you know, and just, you know, you've been there. I hope you've been there where you just go, this is going nowhere. I need to amp it up. I need to take hold of this and resolve this now. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take care of this. But then something inside of me or Deborah Ann, if she was there, says, cool it, Jack, cool it. And I come to myself. Uh, recently, you know, somebody really accused me of something, uh, family again. And, uh, there, boy, it was a, it was a runway for a 747 to take off. I had room. I had cause. I had, I had, um, emotions. I had standing everything to take them out. I mean, take them out. I was right. I was right and they were wrong and they were being mean to me when I hadn't been mean to them. And uh, praise God, Debran said, it's time to go, don't you think? And I said, yes, ma'am, it's time to go. And so all is well, all is preserved. That person the other day made a, made a move towards me, a, a gesture of honor and uh, yay. I left the door open. That's exactly right, Pamela. So we need to leave the door open. Is it going to turn out that well? Maybe not for a while, but it will change your life. And really, it will change their life. The Word says, let your words be seasoned with grace. Honor words. Amen. Amen. So turn to somebody right there and say, ah, it's you. Can you? Amen. Ah. It's you. So next week when we come in and we're going to talk about the Antichrist and the lake of fire, <laughs> you, you can still say, oh, it's you. I'm glad to be here anyway. We may leave out, leave out the Antichrist and the lake of fire. Hallelujah. He is going there, by the way. Hallelujah. Let's just see what Holy Ghost has got. Let's just stop for a moment. Now, all of us, I don't know if you want to close your eyes or whatever, but let's just, let's just, there's truth here and truth that changes you, truth that is knocking at the door. We ought to stop and receive it. We ought to give a moment to let Jesus make these words change us, not just to be in our head of a possibility, but change, integrate them into your heart and say, Lord, I will. Jesus is Lord. And so I will. And I'm going to do it now. I'm going to change my life right now. All over this house, just to yourself. I'm changing. I, I see it. I, I want it. And I didn't know how to get some things, but now I see it. And it's it's simple. It's plain. It's, it's just right there. And I can do this. 
because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I can do this. It's, it's, I have the power and I sure have the access and I'm going to change it and it'll change me, Lord. I will have a revival, a Jesus is Lord culture in my heart because I chose you. Lord, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping me. Thank you, Lord, that our story, each one of us has a story, and our story now is one of grace and of honor. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone has a, I see a, it's kind of funny, I don't know much about anatomy, but it's like your kneecap is not where it should be, and uh, it, it hurts. But it's messing stuff up. So if that's you, just raise your hand. If that's you on broadcast, just raise your hand. Because the Lord wants to heal you. He wants to straighten this thing up. So in the name of Jesus, we just claim the word of the Lord, the love of God to whoever has this. God loves you and he wants to surprise you with his goodness. So I declare that kneecap put back into position, back into place. The pain and the the ligaments and joints, the muscles and nerves that are associated with that, we say peace be still in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I've never heard a word like this. Somebody's ear is high or low, just depending on which one you're looking at, but your ears aren't the same on your head. I've never even seen anybody that's got crooked ears. But it makes you glasses. It, it doesn't work good. So in the name of Jesus, we declare in the nighttime an adjustment, an anatomical, a physical adjustment to somebody's ears, whoever it is, Lord, that your ears will be even on your head in Jesus' name and that all is well just to show you how much God loves you. He's doing this for you. Praise God. Praise God. And one last thing I see. I see there's a there's a something happened between somebody's toes. And to me, it looks like the big toe and the, the almost big toe, the second one, that down at the... There, there's a cut, there's a... In fact, there's something in between those toes, at the bottom of those toes, and it is... It has been bad. It's not good. And I speak healing to that. And a recovery of your flesh between your toes, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you're looking for a job or if you're asking God for a better job, I can tell you right now, if you'll just, if you'll just say yes to it this morning, the Lord's got a job for you already. And he's got a better job for you already. And uh, he wants you to ask him for it. He wants you to say yes to it. Because jobs are important. So I say yes to a better... Well, I'm not going to change jobs, but I, I... Lord, I thank you for jobs and better jobs all over this room and on broadcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Woohoo, Lord Jesus, praise God. Well, I bless you, I bless you in the name of Jesus. 
You are blessed to be a blessing wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God love you.